Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord? I'm excited about the message today. In the book of Mark chapter 6, you'll find our text. Mark chapter 6, begin reading with verse 31. It's a, it's a very, very familiar story. It's, it's one that we've heard all of our lives and heard thousands of sermons. I preach many of them myself. But, uh, man, it's just exciting to uh, open the Word, and even the old stories that we are more familiar with than others, there are new things that the Lord shows us. And uh, I'm excited about what God has for us today. In the book of Mark, chapter number 6, began reading with verse number 31. Says he, talking about Jesus, Jesus said to them, come aside by yourself. He's talking to his disciples. Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. How many know that when the preachers don't have time to eat, they're just too busy? So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. And they arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and he said to them, you, you give them something to eat. They said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And those that had eaten that day were about five thousand men, or actually five thousand families. This morning I want to share with you a recipe for the miraculous. A recipe for the miraculous. God, we believe that you are still a miracle working God. Jesus, we believe that what you did while you were on earth, you are still able to do today. And Lord, I believe there are people in this room today, they are in need of a miracle. And I pray that you will show your power today. Father, help us to exercise our faith today and see the miraculous take place in this room, in this very meeting today, all for the glory of God. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Let me ask this morning, is there anybody in this room that is in need of a miracle? Anyone in need? Maybe you need a miracle in your marriage this morning. Maybe you need a miracle in your business. It could be a miracle you need in your finances. It could be a need, a miracle that you need in your body. Well, in Mark chapter 6, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is recorded. Again, we all know the story. We've heard 
teachers and preachers and thousands of sermons about it. Uh, this is uh, one of the most preached message, uh, sermons or, or, or texts and passages of Scripture uh, of all in, in the Word of God. But I believe this morning that if we will walk through this very familiar story verse by verse, I believe that we can discover a recipe for the miraculous. Now, if the ingredients in this recipe produced a miracle then, I believe that these same ingredients can produce a a miracle for you and for me today because Hebrews 13 and 8 tells me that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's get to it this morning. Let Let me suggest five ingredients in this recipe for the miraculous that I find in our text today. The first, first ingredient for the miraculous that I find in this story is, is compassion. Compassion. It's found in verses 34 through 36. So let's reread those this morning. Verse 34 through 36 says that Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude. And the Bible says that he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. Verse 35, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and they said, Hey, Lord, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Lord, you've been teaching a long, long time. But he answered and he said, Send them away, they said, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages. They might buy themselves bread because they have nothing to eat. Write this down this morning. I don't think it's in your notes. It should have been. It's very, very important. Compassion sees the need. Write that down this morning. Compassion sees the need. Complacency. Complacency sees the inconvenience. Compassion sees the need. Complacency sees the inconvenience. The, the disciples didn't seem to have any compassion. Verse 36, Lord, send the multitude away. Their attitude seemed to be, we didn't invite them out here, so we have no responsibility towards them. Their attitude seemed to be, uh, Lord, these turkeys are messing up our little holy huddle. We had planned a little holy huddle. We're all out here alone with you, Jesus. We're out here on this little men's retreat. Oh, we're out here for a little bit of R&R. And here comes this multitude with all of their needs and all of their wants and all of their desires. And Lord, they're messing up all our plans. The disciples didn't seem to have any compassion for them, but Jesus had compassion. And friend, I submit to you that without his compassion, there would have been no miracle. Without his compassion, the the, the crowd would have been sent home hungry. Let me suggest to you this morning that if New Bethel Church, if we actually become the grace place, If it becomes more than just a change of of name, if we actually truly become the grace place, and how many understand this morning, that's what it's all about. It's not about some cool name. It's not about being something different. It's not about anything other than becoming what we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has called us to become. And so if New Bethel Church, if we actually become the grace place where caring people care for people, if that is indeed going to happen and take place, we must develop a heart of compassion. 
Because you see, you see the, the lives of people that are in need of a grace place. Think about it this morning. Think about the name, the grace place. The lives of people that are in need of a grace place are a little bit messy. Their lives have been messed up by sin. Now I want to be clear this morning, we may be talking about the down and out, but we can also be talking about the up and out. Not just interested in me in ministering to the people of the slums or the inner city or the poor or whatever. And I'm totally and completely interested in that as well. But I want to tell you, friend, it's not just the down and out, amen, that needs grace. It's also the up and out. Whether you're down and out or up and out, you're just out. And not only does the down and out need grace, but so does the up and out. So listen, friend, things might get a little bit messy at the grace place. It might all, it might not always be neat and tidy. We want it neat and tidy. I'll tell you what we really want. We want it churchy. See, see, long ago we left this book and started making up our own rules and started making up our own traditions. And now we don't care if it's in this book or not. We just want to make sure it's in our little list of traditions. We're more interested in being churchy than we are being what this book says we're to be. Things might get a little messy at the grace place. May not always be neat and tidy. Amen. People in need of a grace place, they don't have their lives together. So the question is this morning, do we have the compassion that we're going to need in order to accept these people? Because without compassion, the miraculous cannot take place in their lives. Because remember, compassion sees the need. Complacency sees the inconvenience. See, you know why people don't like to change? Because they don't like it because it's inconvenient. Not convenient to change. Compassion sees the need. Complacency sees the inconvenience. So let me ask you this question this morning. What is your motivation for the miraculous? You say you want miracles. You say you want God to do the supernatural in your life. Let me ask you this morning. What what is your motivation for the miraculous? James chapter 4 and verse 3. James says you do not have. Well, okay, James, we don't have. So tell us why we don't have. Well, he did give us the reason. He said you do not have. He said because you do not ask. Okay, Brother James, I, I have asked and I still don't have. <laughs> Got anything to say about that? Yes, he does. You don't have because you do not ask. He said, you that ask, he said, you ask and you do not receive. Why? He gave us the answer. He said, because you ask with wrong motives. James said, most of you don't have because you don't ask. Some of you are asking, but you still do not receive. And the reason why you ask and do not receive, James said, is because you are asking with wrong motives. He says you ask with wrong motives that you might spend what you receive on your own lust or on your own pleasure. So let me suggest to you this morning, if you are praying for a miracle and it hasn't come, the first question you might ask yourself is this, what is my motivation? Write this down. Am I motivated by compassion or consumption? Am I motivated by compassion or consumption? Am I motivated by need 
or by greed. Hello? All right, let's move on this morning. Notice the second ingredient in this recipe for the miraculous that I see in this story and its contribution. And contribution is found in verse 37. Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, well, shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they went and they found five loaves and two fish. Let me tell you something you don't want to hear this morning. God expects us to do what we can before He will do what He can. The supernatural only shows up after all the natural is used up. Jesus, feed these. Jesus, you feed them. Don't come to me and ask me to do something that you haven't even tried. give them something. Don't throw it on me. You do it. You, you give them something. Amen. Let me tell you something, friend. Until all the natural is used up, you don't need the supernatural. And we have all this natural and we're begging God to do the supernatural. Why? So we don't have to turn loose of our natural. Oh, that's good stuff. Jesus said in verse 37, you you give them something to eat. Don't come to me until after you have done all that you can do. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible is, is the story found in 1 Kings chapter 17. It's the story where God uses a widow lady who's preparing the last meal. She's preparing the last meal for her and her son to eat. And God uses her to bless his prophet Elijah. I just love God's sense of humor. When God told Elijah to go to Zarephath and there'd be a widow lady there to sustain him. Can you imagine what must have been going on in his mind? I imagine he's going and thinking, hmm, wonder if she drives a Ferrari. I'll look for the lady that has all the jewelry all over her. Love God's sense of humor. God uses a woman. Her plan is to make two, two pancakes, one for herself and one for her family, for her son, sit down, eat one last meal, and then die. That, that's her plan. And she's the one God has chosen to sustain the man of God. And so here comes Elijah be bopping along and she tells the man of God her plan and he says, all right, fine. Compassion was not the biggest uh, part, uh, gift of Elijah. Elijah says, fine. But first feed me. <laughs> feed me first. Elijah was a prophet. He was a, he was a man of God. 
So the principle in this story, I believe, is this. Take care of God's business and God will take care of your business. Take care of God's business and God will take care of your business. Put God first in your life and He'll make sure that you have all of your needs met. Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus said to put God first in your life and then God will see to it that you have everything you need. So the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings chapter 17 placed the needs of of the man of God above those of her and her son. She used up what she had, emptying herself of all of the natural. And when and only when all of the natural was gone, did the supernatural show up. She gave to God all that she had, but God in return gave her some of what he had. Because the Bible said that every time from that day on when she went to her meal barrel or she went to the cruise of oil, uh, oh, there was always meal and there was always oil for her, for her son, and for the man of God that lasted for over a year. The second ingredient in this recipe for the miraculous is contribution. Because I want to tell you this morning, before God lets go of what's in His hand, we must first let go of what's in our hand. Over 21 years ago now, I started Harvest Time Church in Midland, Texas. I only had seven committed people, and a couple of them wasn't very committed. (laughs) And that was my kids. (laughs) They didn't want to go, because they didn't want to leave where they were. And you can understand it. They were just kids. I'm just, I'm just kidding, really. Although my daughter, when we left Elk City and drove to Midland, she rode in the U-Haul with me, and she buried her head in my, my side and literally bawled her eyes out, literally not stopping crying, literally did not stop crying from the time we left Elk City, Oklahoma, until we pulled into Lubbock, Texas. 21 years ago plus now, I started Harvest Time Church in Midland with only seven committed people. Four of those seven were me and my family. And after only about two or three years or so, I announced to this fledgling congregation, it wouldn't always be a fledgling congregation. It turned out to be a very strong, uh, exciting place. But, but at this time uh, in, in the history, it was just a fledgling congregation after going, being going for only two or three years. But I announced to this, to this two or three year old church that, that we were going to have a miracle Sunday. If you ever want to make sure you have the lowest attendance of the year, call Miracle Sunday if you're trying to raise money. And I gave them the time and I said, we're going to have Miracle Sunday. And I said, we're going to raise one. Now remember, this was almost 20 years ago. It was a little fledgling church just getting started, only two or three years off the ground. I said, we're going to raise $100,000 in one service. And that hundred will turn into two hundred because we're going to do all the work. We're going to do all the work on the building and we're going to roll up our sleeves. We're just going to buy materials and then we'll see what goes and how we need to borrow or whatever. But we're going to to get started. We're raising $100,000 in one service to start building our first starter building with. A man in the church sat down with a calculator and a list of all the families that attended there. How many know Brother Thomas always comes to church? Some of you will get that about 3 o'clock tomorrow. 
One man in the church sat down with a calculator and a list of all the families that attended there and he came by my office and he announced that it was absolutely impossible for us to raise $100,000 in one service with this little fledgling group of people. Well, this man was quickly reminded that's why I called it Miracle Sunday. Because if we can do it by ourselves, then we don't need a miracle. And God spoke to me before Miracle Sunday, and God said to me, If you want me to do the supernatural, God said to me, You must first use up all your natural. And God said to me, Give me all your natural. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. (laughs) Can we go on to plan B? I wasn't even receiving a, a, a salary from that church. I told my wife what I felt like the Lord spoke to me wasn't the first time we gave away everything we had. My wife and I, we cleaned out all of our accounts. Our checking account, our savings account. I'm not talking about retirement and that kind of stuff, but, but every dime we had, every liquid dollar we had. And if I remember right, I'm not for sure, but I remember it being like 8800 and something dollars. And we brought it to church on Miracle Sunday and gave God every dime we had. Letting go of what was in our hands so God would let go of some of what was in His hands. Using up all of our natural so that God would do the supernatural. You can check this out. And that Sunday morning, over $100,000 was given to start purchasing building materials that we would use to build God's house with our own bare hands, given from a struggling startup church that was less than three years old. Hear me this morning, friend. If you need a miracle today, God is going to ask you to contribute to the miracle. Your contribution might be money, it might be time, it might be faith, it might be prayer, it might be love, it might be talent, or, 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 or. But I promise you this, this morning, God will expect you to do all that you can, and only then will He do what He can. Third ingredient in this recipe for the miraculous that I find in this story is cooperation. And it's found found in verse 39 and 40. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. This miracle, as in all miracles, this miracle was a joint effort. 
You see, without cooperation, this situation could have turned into total chaos. Total chaos. Imagine trying to feed 5,000 families who haven't eaten all day long. Can you imagine the atmosphere? I mean, hey, when my kids were growing up at home, you, you didn't even want to be in the same car with us when all four of us were hungry at the same time. Do you think some of these 5,000 families were a little bit cranky when their empty stomachs started growling? I wonder if any one of them started complaining when they saw the menu. Fish and chips? Fish and chips? Are they fried or are they baked? Fish and chips? We went to Long John Silver's yesterday. I don't want fish and chips. Call Domino's. Maybe Domino's will come out here. I wonder if anybody tried to cut in line. You see, without cooperation, this situation could have been very chaotic. And I want to tell you, friend, God is a God of order. God is a God of order. He does everything. His Bible says everything should be done decently and in order. God, He's a God of planning and organizing and a God of administration. I want to tell you, friend, God doesn't fly by the seat of His pants if God indeed has pants. Let me tell you something. He's not pleased when we do either. Jesus said to His disciples, sit these people down orderly. Put them in groups, in groups of fifties and groups of the hundreds. Jesus said, we've got to organize this multitude. Oh, and as you read, it seems as if these, this multitude of people cooperated with Jesus and His disciples. Verse 40 said, so they sat down in ranks. That speaks of order. They sat down in ranks, in hundreds and in so the third ingredient in the recipe for this miracle is cooperation. Friend, friend, if God shows up in a miraculous way in our lives, friend, if God shows up in a miraculous way in our church, it will be because we were willing to cooperate with Him. And I want to ask you this morning, are you cooperating with God? Let me ask you this this morning, are you doing what He has already told you to do. See, some of you are waiting on further instruction from God. I'm waiting on God. Some of you are waiting on further instructions from God. But God's word for you today, are you ready? You ready for a word from the Lord to you? Thus saith the Lord, until you cooperate with the instructions that I have already given you, there will be no further instructions. Friend, if God cannot trust us to cooperate with the instructions that He has already given to us, why in the world would He trust us to cooperate if He gave us further instructions? Let me suggest this this morning. If God is not answering your prayer, friend, if the miraculous is not happening in your life, here's another question you might ask this morning. Ask yourself this question. 
Am I cooperating with God? Because miracles are always a joint effort. Naaman was told, go dip in the Jordan River. He didn't want to. But his leprosy didn't didn't disappear until he obeyed the instruction. Jesus told the blind man after he made a mud cake and put it on his eye, go wash in the pool. I've done what I can do. You go do what I've told you to do. Peter and John told the lame man at the beautiful gate, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. Get up. Jesus said in our story today, disciples, gather up all of the food in this crowd. Go see what it is that we have to work with. Then he said to the crowd, crowd, sit down in an orderly fashion in groups of fifties and hundreds. Then he told the disciples, he said, take what I give you and start passing it out. Friend, cooperation is a key ingredient to the miraculous. Oh, man, man will pray, God, God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. God, do this. God, do that. God, do something else for me. God says, no, no, no. We're going to do it together. God says, cooperate with me. You do what I tell you to do. Fourth ingredient in the, in the recipe for the miraculous that I find in this story is, is consecration. And it's found in verse 41. Verse 41 when, he had, when Jesus had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves, and he gave it to his disciples. In order to set before them and the two fish, he divided among them all. There's three things that we can learn from Jesus in this verse. Very, very, very significant. Number one, we can learn, we can learn to acknowledge, acknowledge the true source of what we have. Acknowledge the true source of what we have. Notice it says in this verse that Jesus took the five loaves of bread and the two fish that, that, that John tells us in his account of the same story in John chapter 6. John says that these loaves and fish came from a little boy. They came from a little lad. But I think it's quite interesting that Jesus did not acknowledge the little lad as the source of what they had. The little lad didn't get a plaque for his giving from Springfield. Jesus acknowledged the true source of what he was holding in his hands at the moment. The Bible says there that he looked up to heaven. He took the bread and the fish and he looked up acknowledging that what was in his hands, amen, the source of what was in his hands, amen, it was not the little lad, but his heavenly father was the source of what he had in his hands. Friend, if we're going to experience the miraculous in our lives and in the, lives of our, in the life of our church, we're going to have to stop clutching what we have in our hands and stop screaming like a little toddler, mine, mine, mine! Rather, we must do like Jesus and acknowledge the true source of what we have. We must come to the realization that what we have in our hands has been given to us by God. Not by our boss, not by our company, not by the government, amen, not, not by our own efforts. The Bible says in James 1 and 17, every, say every, every good gift and every perfect gift is from God. 
and comes down from heaven. Three things that I can see in this one verse. We can learn, first of all, we need to learn to acknowledge the true source of what we have. Number two, we need to learn to ask for Christ's blessing on what we have. Verse 41 says that Jesus took the loaves and the fish and he looked up to heaven and then he blessed it. Let me ask you this morning, do you have the Lord's blessing on what you have? Do you have the Lord's blessing on what you have? Is His blessing on your family? Is His blessing on your finance? Is His blessing on your future? Have you asked Him for His blessing? Do you believe there's any benefit to His blessing? Or are you satisfied? Let's see what I can do with these loaves and fish by myself. You see, without without the Lord's blessing, these five loaves and two fish, all they would do was feed a little boy. It it was only a little lad's lunch. And so without the blessing of the Lord upon it, it was nothing more than, than enough to feed a little boy. Without His blessing, without His blessing, this was no more than a happy meal. But with his blessing, the miraculous showed up. And 5,000 families were fed all you can eat. So you see, not only do we need to acknowledge the true source, we also need to ask for Christ's blessing. And then the third lesson we can learn from this verse is we need to assist him in the process. Assist him in the process. Verse 41, again, Jesus took the five loaves and fish He looked up to heaven, he blessed it, and then he broke the loaves and the fish, and he gave it. Who did he give it to? The people? No, he gave it to the disciples. See, when I was a little boy and I heard stories like this, I just see Jesus, you know, breaking off the bread and the fish and giving all the there's 5,000 families there, 15, 20,000, 10, 12, 15, 20,000 people there. How in the world does one man sit there? And the day's already, you know, gone. They're hungry. They've been there all day. No, he didn't give it to the people. He gave it to the disciples who then gave it to the people. So here's what I believe. You can believe whatever you want to. Preach it the way you want to preach it when you preach it. But I believe that the five loaves and the two fish multiplied in the hands of Jesus as he gave it out to the disciples. But I believe that it continued to multiply as the disciples took what Jesus gave them and began to break off the bread and began to break off the fish and began to give to the people. And they kept breaking it off and giving it and giving it and it didn't get any smaller and didn't get any smaller and it didn't get any smaller. Oh, the Bible said that Jesus laid hands on the sick and they were healed. But the Bible also says that, that we can lay hands on the sick and they can be healed. Oh, the Bible says that Jesus performed miracles, but the Bible also says to us, Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Notice the last thing that I see in this story this morning, and that is the compensation. And it's found in verse 42 through 44. 
So they all ate and were filled. They took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those that had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men or 5,000 families. Let me tell you something, friend. God is not the God of barely enough. He's not the God of barely enough. 5,000 families didn't just get a bite or two. Now before anybody else gets seconds, everybody gets fed first. Just take a little now so that there will be plenty for everyone. No. No. Verse 42 says they all ate and were filled. They were filled. Some of us pray like this. Now God... I know you'll answer this prayer because I'm not asking you for much. God, I'm not asking you for much. My response is why? Why not? Why not? God is not the God of barely enough. He's not the God of barely get by. No, sir. He's the God of more than enough. He's the God of abundance. Ephesians 3 and 20. He is able to exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask or even even imagine. Verse 42 says they... They all ate until they were full. Verse 43 says there were 12 baskets of leftovers. How how many believe that everything in the Bible is significant? How many believe there's a significance for 12? How many know what that significance is? Tell me so I'll know how to preach this. There's a significance. I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I don't know why 12. I've got a couple of ideas. Perhaps one reason why there were 12 baskets of leftovers was perhaps one basket for every doubting, complacent disciple as an object lesson of their lack of faith. As good as anybody else's theology. Perhaps... Perhaps the twelve baskets went home with the little lad. As a thank you from Jesus for loaning him his happy meal. Because Jesus said, give and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be given into your bosom. D.L. Moody said, if God is your partner, Make your plans big. If you're, there's a mistake on that last line there. Just scratch out that one word and just put big in the blank. Hard to get good help these days. Just teasing, come on. T.L. Moody said, if God is your partner, make your plans big. God, I... I'm not asking you for much. Why are you not asking God for much? Is your God the God of barely enough? Is your God the God of barely get by? Or do you serve a God of abundance? 
and uh, talk and blab it and grab it and all that. But I'm telling you, God is a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask, all we could ever think. If I could get the musicians and singers back this morning. Let me ask the same question that I asked you about 35 minutes ago. And the question is this morning, who needs a miracle today? Who needs a miracle today? I ask you that need a miracle today, is your motivation right? I ask you that need a miracle today, are you willing to do what you can so then God will do what He can? I ask those of you that say you need a miracle today, are you willing to let go of what's in your hand so that God will let go of some of what is in His hand? I ask you that need a miracle today, are you cooperating with God? Are you following His instructions? And until you follow the instructions he has already given, there will be no further instructions. And I ask you that need a miracle today, do you acknowledge him as your source this morning? Is he your source today? I ask you that need a miracle today, have you asked him for his blessing? I ask you that need a miracle today, are you willing to assist him in the process? Everyone standing across this room this morning, please. I don't believe that God toys with us. I don't believe that God plays games with us. I don't believe God placed this message upon my heart this morning just just so that we could have a a nice little sermon well put together and well thought out and we could go home and say, well, the pastor was good and I liked it or I didn't like it or this or that. No, I don't believe God is toying. I don't believe that God is playing games with anybody today. I believe that the God of of miracles. Can we sing that? God of miracles is here. He is here. Can we do that? Or is that too much? I know it's. I know these guys practice everything, and we'll see how good he is. Just kidding. You didn't hear me say. We need to do that. Amen. If it ain't perfect, it's my fault, okay? Amen. I believe the God of miracles is going to show up. Now sing it, sing it. I'll hush. You sing. Can you come into faith this morning?
struggling in their walk with you, God. God, I just pray, Lord, that you will just show them your unconditional love today. And God, I pray that you will help them and be with them in an incredible way today. God, I pray that every single one that came here this morning with a desire for the miraculous, God will see their miracle take place in their their life. God, it's not going to happen just because we ask you to. It's going to happen when we, when we do what you have told us to do, Father. And God, I pray for those that are in disobedience today. Lord, there are those today, Lord, that, that are asking you to do things for them. And you say, I'm not going to do this until you do what I've already told you to do. And God, I pray, Lord, that they will do what you've already told them to do in order that your hands can become untied and you can extend your hand toward them again. God, give us the faith this morning to release what it is that's in our hand. God, so that you will release what it is that is in your hand. You're the God of the miraculous, and we believe you today. And we're believing you. If you believe God's going to work miracles in this house, give him a shout. A praise this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's sing it again. One more time, please. your miracle this morning hallelujah well we are officially dismissed if you're a guest please turn in your connection card at our welcome center everybody else stay dry and have a wonderful afternoon